Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Well, I knew the importance of the occasion. I remember Mr. Ricky saying to me that I couldn't fight back. I think the conscience of America is beginning to awaken. The only thing that we're demanding is that we be allowed to move ahead just like any other American. In 1997, Jackie's number was retired. And in 2004, Gene Hermansky's words from 1950 came to fruition will all wear number 42. Well, excited to have our guest Dave Sims to help us celebrate Jackie Robinson Day, Major League Baseball on April 15th to commemorate the year and day that Jackie Robinson broke into Major League Baseball, the Brooklyn Dodgers on April 15th, 1947 has a day where we reflect on his legacy, we think about where it's going forward, and of course, you know, all the games players will be wearing 42 in his image. And no better guest to talk about my profession in the media world than Dave Sims, uh, who is a commentator, play-by-play with the Seattle Mariners, his 16th season. And uh, as a black man in this industry, understanding whether the unique challenges or the pioneering steps that you've taken along the way to be here and in your uniqueness. Uh, I thought it'd be fantastic to consider Jackie Robinson through that lens. And, you know, Jackie Robinson, we know on the field did tremendous things, a Hall of Famer, but he also pioneered and, and celebrated many firsts off the field, whether in banking, whether in media as a columnist, whether as an executive at Chock Full of Nuts. And so, Dave, I wanted to start about, well, first, Philly native, right? So we, we, <laughs> we have that history. Uh, But so I think as we look at Jackie Robinson and really the evolution of his legacy, I'd love to know more about your journey and how the pioneering steps you took to get to this point with the Seattle Mariners. Well, before I even got it, first of all, you and I are part of Mr. Robinson's legacy. I mean, the fact that you had a great career as a baseball player and I'm doing what I'm doing. But my, my story with Mr. Robinson starts back when I was, I don't know, about probably eight or nine, I started you know, rummaging through some stuff that my old man had. And I kept coming up with these World Series programs, 47, 49, 52, 53. Turns out 
my dad, I guess before I was born, you know, he and his boys would drive up from Philly uh, to Brooklyn to watch the, you know, watch the Dodgers because, you know, basically the Brooklyn Dodgers were black America's team for good reason. I mean, you know, uh, Jackie Robinson, Newt, Campy, uh, Sandy Amaros, uh, later junior Gilliam, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then later on, <clears throat> flash forward, we'd be you know, playing pickup games. My father would come out and pitch and we'd take BP and everybody would, you know, be getting some knocks. And then he'd throw like three in a row at my head. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> hey, oh, hey. Hey, man, what do you think Jackie Robinson went through? Stand in there, dig in and hit the next pitch right through the middle or, you know, whatever you got to do. And I was like, man, that started to seep in. <clears throat> so as I got older, and reading about what Mr. Robinson and Mr. Doby went through, I, I got to know Mr. Doby. I never met Mr. Robinson. Um, it's, and I, I call him that. I, it's hard for me to call him Jackie Robinson. I, I have to call him Mr. Robinson. I mean, my respect for the guy is just off the chart. And when you read about what he did, you know, born in, in Georgia, moved to Pasadena, uh, you know, four-sport athlete at UCLA, and what he went through. This game, Doug, you know this better than I do, but baseball is a super difficult game. And you're going to fail 70% of the time and be a star. And this man had to listen to, I mean, imagine somebody coming to your office and heckling you, calling you everything under the sun, but a child of God. And then to excel at the highest levels and, you know, rookie of the year MVP, it's just mind boggling. And every, and I wear the number 42 cap, which we got in Seattle, I gave out in Seattle one time on African-American Heritage Day. And I wear the cap out. I wear it when I'm dressed up, suit and tie. I wear it when I'm casual, if we're wearing sweaters on the air, because that's how much uh, Jackie Robinson means. You know, one of the most consequential Americans in our history. And, and you know, in terms of the slings and arrows, I've been very lucky in that regard. Most of it's been subtle. But I can tell you this, and I probably did this when I, I think when we met, I was doing a Phillies Sunday show back in 99, 2000. I think you were at the Phillies at the time. And I, I consider myself a people person. But I got to tell you, there's such a dearth of black Americans in the sport that I make it a pretty much a policy to go say hello to any African-Americans. Hey man, just like to say hello. I'd like to see somebody that looks like me in our game because we're down to 6% and less and even fewer in the media. Well, Dave, I mean, you know, you have a Philadelphia history as we talked about. And one of the big moments in Jackie Robinson's history was going to Philadelphia. And that first road trip after he played these homestands, you know, being with Ben Chapman, the manager of the Phillies, and it was, you know, documented in the movie 42, where Philadelphia did not have a black player for 10 years after Jackie Robinson. Uh, so I'm curious about if that story, as you kind of revisited it later through, as it's become more public about, uh, especially in the movie, I mean, what were your thoughts about, you know, your city and the adjustments the city made going forward? Well, first of all, I was glad my grandparents got out of the South when they did, and, and that part of the Great Migration in the early 20th century. But to your point, in 93, when the Phillies made the World Series and they played the Toronto Blue Jays, there was a heck of a piece in the Inquirer, Philadelphia Inquirer. A guy had gone to a barbershop in my neighborhood in the northwest part of town. And he had, you know, the usual 5, 10, 15 patrons in there. And, and basically, the guy went in there, hey, man, you guys rooting for the Phillies? And all those, most of those cats, and they were my father's age, said, heck no. We were around, we remember as kids what the Phillies did. Ben Chapman, that, that picture where he and Jackie are holding the bat, and I know each one of them wanted to take that bat and beat each other in the head with it. But these cats in the, in the barbershop said, hey man, we have tremendous animus 
and anger at the Phillies organization for what happened back in 47 and how Jackie was treated. And I played for, for a guy in high school who was one of the bench jockeys. And I, he never told me that he was, he treated me like gold, but I later found that out, you know, it was like 40 some years later, but it was abusive, man. And Philly is a tough enough town as it is, you know, hardcore sports town, as you know, you went to school at Penn. And I, I can only imagine what the abuse was like. But anyway, the point being, those cats in the barbershop, they, that resentment, they were holding on to it. And even if they wanted to get rid of it, they couldn't because they'd seen they'd seen and heard and were told about what happened. And I looked it up one day, and I'll never forget Richie Ashburn when I was at NBC Philly in 84. And he comes in to analyze the World Series that year. I said, Whitey, I said, I read a lot about what you guys did to, to Jackie Robinson. He said, no, it's true. He says, Chapman told us, spike him, spit at him, cuss at him, the whole thing. And Whitey said, after a while, I went to him and said, hey, Skip, you need to call this off. He's shoving it up our ass. <laughs> I looked up, the, looked up the numbers. He had 318 career at County Max Stadium with a big OPS. So the worst thing they did was get, him, get Mr. Robinson going. He put up good numbers. You can look it up. He put up good numbers at Chad Park slash County Mark Stadium. And, so yeah, that's a heck. I mean, that's wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and to your point, Dave. I mean, my personal story is that, and I've told this a few times about how my family migrated to North Philly, and you know, from North Carolina. A lot of my great aunts and uncles were there for a long time, and my mom would work in the summers in Philadelphia, and there was limited jobs, but she would work, save money pay her way through Hampton Institute then, and then her sister. So she, that was, as the oldest, that was, you know, her, her job, right? That's what she was doing. Now, my, my family, they love baseball. But after Robinson, and they were in Philly, 47, that, they were done. And so what was so powerful for me is, you mentioned 93 World Series. Well, I got traded to Philly in 97. And in 98, you know, debuted as a starting center fielder. And that is when my aunt Tank, my great aunt Tank said, okay, Okay, I can I can kind of revisit this. I mean, they followed from afar, but they just could not bring themselves to support the organization. That's how much pain and lack of restorative justice yeah. existed then, because it took so long uh, to really recognize it. Now I know the city did issue a, an apology, but that means something because people were still in pain over that because they could relate so directly to Jackie Robinson, who was handling oh. this so nobly. By the way, considering what he was going through. And there's a reason why he died at 53 years old. I mean, because he wore so much during that his time from what 47 to 56, yeah. and particularly in his first like three, four years. I mean, I just I just can't imagine. And again, you look at his numbers, and you know, during the time before Branch Rick, he told him, "Hey, be yourself." I mean, the guy was like the ultimate alpha male, and uh, for him to put up with that, I mean, that strength of character to do that is just it's immeasurable. Well, in your experience, you know, you've you've called sports, you know, play by play in so many different perspectives. I mean, you know, if, I mean, you go back New York Daily News, I mean, Temple University, ESPN, NFL, uh, and particularly 88 Olympics. Uh, so what what have all these different journeys told you about, you know, sort of the pioneering road that you've taken and what it's taken to be able to in, endure or, or stay positive, you know, whether it's mentorship or just the professionalism that's required? Well, I, I tell you what, I, I was I was really blessed. Uh, I mean, my parents, I had both my parents uh, for for a very long time. They, you know, my, my brother and I, and uh, 
born and raised in a Catholic uh, education and the whole thing. And I guess uh, my, my wife to this day says, I'm always a glass half filled guy. I mean, I, I, I'm very positive. I like I said, I consider myself a people person and you have to be a people person to, to last almost, I'm coming up on 50 years next summer, count my internship. I'll be 50 years in the business, which is really amazing. And, uh, but <clears throat> I love what I do. I love sports. I was not made to be a biochemist. I can tell you that right now, with all due respect to those guys, and nor a brain surgeon. So I, I was, you know, in Philly, raised in Philly, playing balls at a very young age, and I, I was a pretty good baseball player. Had some success in high school, and I remember a couple of guys say, "Hey, you're good, but I don't know if you're good enough to make it pros, but you may want to think about a career covering it." And that's where it started. And I've been able to go through a myriad of steps. You mentioned the Olympics. That was. An incredible thrill. That was the Ben Johnson Flow Gel Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. Did about 18 years in the NFL. That um, I look back on it every now and then, and I, I think a lot. I know a lot of my friends probably wouldn't have done it because I've been alone. You know, like so many black journalists, and as you're finding out now, Doug, we're all our own lone ranger. You know, it's like when you go. I, I think I'm the only. I'm the only lead TV announcer in Major League Baseball who's black, and only maybe the fifth ever um fifth ever i mean that's that's nuts um so i i just i love what i do i think that's the that's a prevailing prevailing answer i, I love what i do and i've enjoyed the ride enjoying the ride i don't want to put it in the past tense yet and um you know every i challenge myself too you know it's like hey what i like to you know and all the, the some of the my, my friends who i got a lot of friends who are white too but i mean a lot of my friends who are black we're spread out all over the country. So, you know, thank, thankfully for FaceTime, I can catch up with you and some of the other guys. And because certainly on a base, like on a daily basis, I'm in Chicago right now. And and I love these guys, you know, I see the other broadcasters, but man, there's nobody looks like me doing this gig. And, and I really have to, some days I have to like, you know, just do your job. You worry about that late, just do your job and do, be the best you can be. You know, so you think about Jackie Robinson, I, you know, one thing that comes to mind is, is mentorship. And when you're a pioneer and you're kind of alone, you know, you're trying to chart your own waters, your references are outside the game because it's just you. You don't, you know, there's nobody came before you really in, in a direct sense. Uh, what's it been for you t in your field, you know, doing that job, but also what, who have you looked to to just get insight, wisdom, not only navigating yeah. the profession, but sometimes the subtleties of just dealing with race or being right. in around identity. Well, Bill White was a, was a guy I always looked up to as a player. And then he became, after he retired from the Phillies, he went into uh, media, worked at ABC in Philly. And then of course, as you know, worked his way up you know, with the Yankees and everything was, was huge. And then I, you know, I really got chance to know him a little bit when he's a National League president. And I told him, hey, Bill, I'm trying to get a baseball. Can you help me out? Next thing you know, he was a retired or forced out or whatever. But I've made a lot of friends in the business. Uh, I can think of um, guys I took to. I mean, Marty Brenneman, I met him when we were doing the Final Four uh, broadcast in Minnesota. We had a three-year run where we were in Minnesota, Atlanta, and Indianapolis. Became good friends with him. Brad Sham was the voice of the Cowboys. Uh, Bob Wolf, a Hall of Fame announcer with the Washington Senators, did the Knicks. There's been a lot of guys. Those kind of guys have been very helpful to me. And I was always, when when I was a newspaper reporter, I used to go up to these guys. Hey, man, I want to get in the business. I want to do what you, you know, do what you do. What do you, you know, you got any tips, advice, or any, any things like that? Dick Enberg was great. Ben Scully, uh, Marv Albert was huge for me in New York. Uh, and then 
And in fact, Marv was the guy when I, my first huge break in, in electronic media was in 1986, WNBC Sports Night. They made a change. And I said, that job's made for me to do a sports talk show. Opposite Art Rush Jr., who was a oh, yeah. black guy in New York who dominated the sports ways before FAN came along. So I, I went head to head with Art for two and a half years before NBC shut down. But the key for, for me was my agent had called NBC, WNBC, and like, oh, okay, just sort of a blow off. And I called Marv, who I knew from when I, when I was covering the Knicks. I said, yo, Marv, come on. He says, I got it. Don't worry about it. Next day, hello, Dave. This is Dale Parsons from WNBC. would like you to come in for an interview. I was like, Marv, way to go. Yes. <laughs> and that was, uh, you know, that was, uh, that's my Syracuse connection, if you will. Um, so, you know, I, I've, you know, a lot of guys have been good to me over the years and, and I hear from, and these days with social media and people, re, I, I, it's it's very flattering. A lot of kids, black and white, reach out. Hey man, like what like what you do, like your style. Can you you know uh, give me some tips? Uh, can you uh, critique my tape? Don't hold anything back. And my wife even gives me a tip of the cap on that one because there's probably about 20 guys and a bunch of them have landed now. And so it's nice to be in that position. But and I spent and then I'm involved with that black play by play scholarship fund, too, that Adam Guardino started out of uh, Connecticut. So there's uh, there's been some really good young black guys uh, coming along. They're going to be they're going to really be great. And some of them are great now. Uh, Everett Fitzhugh's already got a job at the Seattle Kraken. And was it Jason Ross is doing Chicago Blackhawks, two, two brothers doing hockey. I love that. Yeah, Kevin Weeks, you know, we had him on our oh, show. He's, he's, oh, that's the man right there. That dude is great. He's really, really talented. He's so good. Yeah, he's good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And uh, yeah, so I, I always think about like, when we talk about, you know, Jackie and the current issues that confront society, like whether, you know, many years, 75 years later, so to speak, have you found some evolution in, in calling the game or just covering the game with the fact that some of the social issues are being taken on by sport and, and, you know, whether the bubble in the NBA or Kaepernick or kneeling or whatever it may be. I mean, what has evolved for you in terms of how to share those stories with the public? Well, I, I know one thing during the summer of 20, during the summer of COVID and the, the, the murder of George Floyd, all of a sudden uh, a lot of people knew where I was, knew my phone, phone number and they wanted to hear from me. And, you know, the ball club asked me to do a whole bunch of, of, uh, of Zoom calls and, and, and matter of fact, in, in 19, at the end of the 19 season, we had 10 African-American players, 10. 
they tried to take a picture of that. Dave Roberts said, Hey man, outside of the Dodgers, the Mariners, my favorite team. Cause y'all got all the brothers, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so we did a lot of forums about guys experiences in the game. Uh, what kind of, uh, you know, racial sensitivities, uh, anecdotes that have happened to them. And I, and that particular year guys were speaking out and our ball club encouraged, uh, encouraged the guys to speak out about social injustice and everything. And I, I don't have a problem. And, and this, I tell you what, every year during Jackie Robinson, uh, uh, they, well, I'll talk about it. I mean, and, and it's amazing how you see so many white people are uncomfortable talking about race. And, you know, nobody's perfect. We all have our prejudices, but you want the, you know, the, you want the good stuff to come out in you and to portray that as you live your day, your life day to day, minute to minute. But it's a, the thing. That's one of the things that amazed me. You know, behind the scenes, people dog you, and and uh, but boy, you ask them to get out front, talk about some of these issues, man, they get very squeamish. They ain't gonna do it. Uh, and then others who who were, were like, if you will, they're cool. They 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 get it. Um, they will talk about. You know, I, I can think of like in baseball, Doug, and you can relate to this. In baseball right now, and if you're a black American. You better be a star because there, there's no, there are very few of any black utility guys like back in the '60s and '70s, uh, and, and some, uh, yeah, and in the '80s, the Mark McLemore's, the Tony Phillips, the guys who are, may not be superstars, but they were great cogs in your team and they could play multiple positions. Those guys don't exist anymore, or, or very few of them exist in, in uh, baseball now. Uh, any of the black kids, the uh, black guys you see playing now are, are you know, usually. Uh, superstar or superstars are darn near elite and and that's that's something that uh that that concerns me I, it concerns me we don't see enough um you know i remember mr robinson in that last public appearance he made in 72 at the world series i like to see him you know uh, yeah. black managers well we got dusty and dave right now and the um black third base coaches there's a few, not many, but it's more than it was when I was growing up. There were none when I was growing up, so I consider that progress, but it may not be as fast as I would like, but, you know, it is what it is. And again, there's not – and the, here's the other thing, too. You talked about your family and, and baseball for whatever reason, and I always feel like I'm in the last generation of black Americans who really are wholeheartedly into baseball. And my kids were two boys in their thirties were very good athletes, good baseball players. And their connection to baseball is me. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't follow it. They, you know, they sort of follow it, but they don't follow it like the NBA and the NFL. So, I mean, that's a problem too. And then one time I was looking around at our ballpark and I was counting as one, two, three, hey, there's Floyd Little, you know, the now late great yeah. Uh, yeah. Running back, Hall of Fame running back. And, you know, you could count the black folks. And that's, now that's a whole different sort of story. Seattle's population of black people is, is not, you know, overwhelming by any stretch. But the point being, I remember being here in Chicago a couple of years ago, Wrigley Field, I saw more black people setting up than I saw in the stands, you know, setting up, you know, concessions and whatnot. So that, that you know, that's a little worrisome. And and I would like I would like for baseball to get back where it had. I mean, it, it may not ever catch the NFL, but I want to, you know, to have an, a good hold on the community again. I would like to see that again because it was you could go around Philly. You know, you grew up in Philly and you could find black kids playing baseball all over town. And it was great. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely, it's getting back there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think of, you know, back HBO, and I did, I did a follow-up on this a couple of years ago when Chris Rock talked about baseball in the black community on HBO. And it was, you know, 
got a lot of you know realism in it within you know the comedy elements of it. Uh, I'm curious what you think about some of the efforts, uh, whether the the Selig rule in policy that Major League Baseball has tried to to address this, and because you know that when it comes down to it, Jackie Robinson was about equality, and although yes, it, you know him being a Black American trying to get there was one effort, but he really wanted everyone to celebrate under the same umbrella, like. I, he's yeah. like, I want what you have. I want to be as free as you are. Like, very simple. Like, I, that's, and I'm going to keep fighting, and and you know, sort of staying on that that accelerator. So, I'm curious what you think about, you know, what baseball has tried to do. I know they have this thing called MLB on deck, where kind of diversity around in terms of ticketing and forward facing elements of their organization. Uh, you know, what have you seen or what discussions you have you have? Yeah, there are very few PR guys. You know, very few guys. Uh, Kevin Gregg does a, did a great job in Boston. He's doing a great job in Philly. Uh, he's one of the, he might be the fir first uh, director of media relations I've seen in baseball in my 16 years. Um, and I'd like to see, you know, there are more women. I'd like to see more you know, black women involved. I know MLB Network has expanded, uh, you know, their diversity this year, adding more women and more people of color. I think that's been great. And, and I think a lot of stuff, I, and the other thing too, I'd like to see baseball bang the drum on that, that they're, you know, that they're doing. And I'm sure somebody's going to tell me, yeah, we are doing it. Well, whatever you're doing, keep it going and maybe amp it up even more, you know? And, and so people know what the story is. So they, they get a look at people who are involved in a day-to-day -day. and everybody's not going to be a baseball star. Not everybody's going to be Ken Griffey Jr. on the field, but you know, you can still be around the game that you love and, and participate in it. And also, you know, the Hunter Greens of the world who, who come up, I mean, I watched him the other day, goodness gracious, a right-hander with Cincinnati Reds, 6'4", 230, some his last spring training against the Mariners, he looked good, and he, well, he's, he's got a chance to be a terrific player, but let's know about more of those guys, let's know more about even, and all the players, Trout, Otani, keep it, keep pumping whatever it is, I just think we need to pump it up, whatever efforts, I know people are putting a lot of time into it, doing a good job, but, you know, keep it going and amp it up. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I would love to see, you know, more more people in front office, you know, media relations, sales. We, I think the Mariners have done a decent job. Uh, I think our numbers are pretty good. They, probably, they can always be better all around baseball. I'm not just salute, you know, mm -hmm. singling at my club. But, uh, you know, if get out there and look for people. Oh, and here's another one I, I always think about. Summertime, black internships. Mm -hmm. I mean, get kid, go to HBCUs. I mean, forever. Uh, I can remember back when I was at the Daily News, and I can remember one time I, I came in. I was, and it was about my, it was 1978, and Caroline Kennedy comes in as a as an intern. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. But you know, what, what about some some stellar black students from you know local schools? Give them a shot too. Mm -hmm. Nothing against Caroline Kennedy, a big fan of the family, yada yada yada. But I mean, come on. Um, and and it's. And internships, I know in, in other places I've been, it's been, you can almost, you can almost uh, define, you know, what they're looking for. And that's what I see every summer. I mean, it's the same cookie cutter stuff. I mean, hey, let's diversify a little bit. My goodness gracious. Give some kids. I'm not saying not everything's about, you know, being a handout and everything, but sometimes you got to go search for people. You know, if they're not coming to you, you go look for them. And I think that's something that, that needs to be done to encourage, hey man, baseball's a cool game. It's a great, great way of life. It's a great business. Hey, I, I want to open your eyes to it, expose you to it. And if you like it, hey, stick around. Maybe we can do something. Well, and sometimes that's the big challenge because when you have 
homogeneity in the leadership and 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 sort of there's a natural human reaction of like hiring people that have your experiences and are in you your bet. circles and i mean theo epstein was very good about being introspective about that and saying yeah why do i hire you know people who have my experience and and when your experience is not diverse then that's what you that's what what's what happens so Correct. so it, it, there's a deliberate nature to it uh you know i always in my class i always talk about power and uh it's eric liu talks about how power concentrates, right? Power justifies itself. And and so these ideas of like, once you have it, you kind of keep turning it over. And and so when you, you know, you know, you think about the success of a sport, like anything, you say, I want everybody to love this sport. I, I'm not I'm not trying to discriminate sure. in my fan base. I just want everybody to love it. Away. And, right. and representation yeah. does make a difference because just as I talked about my family in Philadelphia, when the city took the time to apologize, when they brought me in as a player, it meant something to people who had been ostracized in the past. Yeah. And and Jackie certainly was, you know, he was ahead of his time and way in thinking of that, right? He, he kind of, he went from baseball to all these executive positions saying, no, I got to replicate this work here too. Like, you know, yeah. they're all institutions in America and the power resides, whether in, you know, the banking where he, the money, the, the power to write, and and be in the media and control the message. Chock full of nuts. <laughs> yeah, chock full of nuts and policy. I mean, you know, this is these are the arenas that he he had targeted. So, um, you know, so I. Well, that's why yeah. you know that's why I, you know I always talk about. And I remember somebody used this word, and, and consequential, and, and it, I think that it's one yeah. of the greatest definitions you could have for for Mr. Robinson. I mean. It just it just changed everything. I mean, he opened the door for the Latin uh, Latin American players, Africa African Latino guys, uh, to play in Major League Baseball. We wouldn't have Roberto Clemente and and, and that and a whole group of folks. So, yeah, man, it's it, it, I try to I think every day when I go to the ballpark, and whether I wear my forty two cap or not, you know, I I'm sort of like paying homage. Mr. Robinson and my dad and that generation of black uh, of Americans and that that generation of black Americans specifically because I can and I can think of my grandfathers I can hear one of them right now boy you want to do what <laughs> I ain't never gonna be able to do that and boy they ain't gonna let you get in there and do that, that job you doing I would love to see him right now I say yo pops take a look at this <laughs> I'm calling Major League Baseball <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it is it's it's amazing. And and what about the family though? Have you had a chance like in 1991 right before I got drafted, I went to an event through an agent and uh or or at least an agent in the industry. It wasn't my agent ultimately, but and he introduced me to Rachel Robinson. And I remember cuz I had read the books as, you know as a kid. I remember just literally being almost breathless because I was like, "This is this is the queen." Like, you know? so hey, I, I took, that's exactly my exactly right. Doug. No question. I mean, it was royalty. So I just took this picture, like, and um, I'm digging it up now, trying to find it. But uh, obviously, it's somewhere in this box. But I mean, I, I so meeting them, you know, to to bring the bring them to life in a way, that's yeah. been magical. Have you? What's your experience I, been like? I tell you what, funny story. So. I'm, I'm, uh, I live in Manhattan and I'm walking to work one day and I get to like, it was like 49th and 7th. And I'm on, I'll never forget this. I was on the Southeast corner and I'm waiting across the street because I'm walking westbound. And I see this woman cat a corner from me. I said, damn, she looks familiar. I said, wait a minute, that's not family. I said, hey, dummy, that's Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> now I 
ship. He ran out in the street. I was like, good to be killed? Like, I, and here's what I did. I was like, I freaked out. I totally fanboyed it, man. I was like, I, I think back that now, I said, God, you were an idiot when you met her. But I couldn't, you couldn't help it. I mean, you said it was like meeting a queen. I was like, wait a minute, this is Mrs. Jackie Robinson, dude. And she was phenomenal. I startled her, but she regained her composure quickly. I then again, I met her at another uh, thing at the Waldorf one time. Uh, and and Mr. Doby was there and everything. But I, I'll never forget that. You're right, though. You nailed it. It was like meeting royalty. I mean, this is a woman married to the guy. I mean, and they were a team. I mean, they, yeah. in all the readings, you, you know, with the books that we probably read the same books and same accounts and everything. I mean, that was a that was a, a, a team. And thank God. Thank the Lord that a he was that he was married to her that he was married that he was married to her <laughs> and her strength of character to get him through because there had to have been some brutal nights they're throwing at him spiking him cussing him spitting at him a whole thing and he and then you throw in an O for four here and there yeah, right and right yeah. I mean so I mean it tells you how special this woman was and God bless you she's gonna be a hundred years old coming on, <laughs> coming up in July I mean that she is special. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job Job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Well, you think about like what, I mean, I always go back. I was a Hamilton musical fan. And sure. you think about Eliza Hamilton portrayed and how she lived whatever, Whoa. 40, 50 years after him, but did all this to preserve 
the legacy. And so he had a tag team. He had not only he had Rachel, but he had Sharon Robinson, who yeah. wrote a lot of books about family and what it was like growing up. I was fascinated interviewing Sharon Robinson, uh, asking her about growing up. And she said, well, one thing that's interesting is our family integrated Stamford public schools in Connecticut. I, I and, remember reading and, that. Yeah, yeah, she was saying, like, they gave me no cliff notes. They didn't tell me. They were just like, go ahead, figure it out. <laughs> That's a good and, point. and she was like, what? Yeah. Are you, you were like the man. Like, what? <laughs> they were like, you know, so, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. Like, even they weren't always sure as a parent what to say to how to you know, protect yeah. your kids from experiences. Big life, man. Yep. That, you know, their experience. Wow. Yeah, that's... It, it, I, I recommend... Everybody, the book that jumps at Jules Tigell wrote that one book was it The Great Exper Experiment? Mm -hmm. I thought that yep. was one of the really good books that, that devoted to uh, to Robinson and Ricky. I thought that was that that impacted me pretty well. And there's been a whole bunch of yeah. Well, Sharon's too. book Stealing Home was was about yeah. uh, you know, really the household growing up, yeah. And I, okay. and I thought it was really powerful about that is you realize you know, Robinson was 10 years younger than Martin Luther King Jr. So King, when he was a junior in college at Morehouse, that's when Robinson broke in. He was, and by the way, he was 18. He was a 15-year-old freshman and 18 yeah. years old. Yeah, he was super smart. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Like, so that was, you know, so a lot of the pioneers that came, you know, for the civil rights movement, they they looked to Jackie as inspiration. Oh, and that was, yeah. and he had his jazz events in Connecticut and all these things to raise money for King. But even you know, Little, Little Rock Nine, I mean, you, the list is so long of people who would call him and it was interesting to watch how more and more he was trying to kind of lay low. And then it was like, hey, Jackie, I need your advice on how to go through this. And he just kind of found himself everywhere. And pretty soon he was at Kurt Flood's court cases. for, for yeah. I mean, the man did, I can't imagine how much he did in such a short period of time. Seriously. Um, I mean, he only lived to be 53. And I wonder, boy, I, you know, you, I think every every year I think about this. Jeez, I wonder what he would be thinking right now if, if he were... He would be brought back and say, "Here's what's happening." And he'd go, "I don't think he'd be real pleased." <laughs> yeah, what would he say? You know, well, I think about Dusty, right? I remember we talked at one point about Dusty ba mm -hmm. Baker taking on mentorship by yes. you know, having meetings and finding. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've spoken to him. I'm sure you have over the recent. But what's the what's the latest? <laughs> I just I just remember you know you talk about mentorship, and I, and I went down. I did a project. I did an interview with with Dusty for one of my son's businesses, but. I, who doesn't love Dusty Baker? And, and I love the story about how he said, you know, Hank Aaron told his mom, I, I'll take your boy. I'll, you know, <laughs> you know, once, you know, Dusty was up here, but one of the coolest nights you talked about mentorship and one of the coolest nights I ever had in, in, in my life, but especially as a professional, I want to say with Dusty's last year when he was with the Reds and the great Shooty Babbitt, who's a scout, good friend. You probably know Shooty or you probably met him. He's with the A's. I said, he was in one of our games. He said, Hey man, um, fellas getting together. I said, what do you mean? He says, all the black guys in the Cactus League and all the Latino guys invited to Dusty's house. Dude, there was like 60 guys. <laughs> wow. Ken Griffey Sr., you know, Wayne Embry from the NBA, uh, uh, what's my, Eric Davis, Sean Dunstan. I mean, it was a who's who of your contemporaries, right? And basically, it was like a fellowship meeting. And we talked about, and Wayne Embry got up and gave a very emotional speech about, hey, you guys are like the front facing uh, soldier, foot soldiers for Black and Latin America. 
and keep on keeping on doing what you do. Show up early, leave late, work your tail off, and and be an example. And that was a moment. Well, I tell you what, I raved about that. I remember when, and then when Dusty left, I, I was when Ron Washington was still the manager of the uh, Rangers at Cactus League. I said, yo, man, you got to pick up the mantle. You got to have this annual meeting. Never had another one since then. Nothing on Ron. I'm not blaming Ron, but I'm just saying that was how impactful that gathering was to, to share a lot of commonal, uh, commonalities, things that we're talking about right now and more. I thought, and I would love to be able to, you know, everybody, we all have our own gigs and everything. And we're spread out all over the country. But boy, would I love to get together, have a get together and have a meeting like that again, or have a, you know, maybe an annual, semi-annual, whatever, that have a situation like, because we don't get a chance, you know, we see each other. Hey, I want you to see you, give a hug and everything. Hey, what's going on? Boom, and that's it. Yeah, well, I think of maybe Players Alliance has tried to pick that up. And, and the thing about the Players Alliance that's fascinating is it formed mostly as a Zoom support group around George Floyd. Sure. And, and so players were talking. It's like, we need to get together. And then it quickly became, you know, kind of some a partner with MLB to try to help them work on policy. It was a lot really quickly, but that seemed to be an opportunity yeah. to, you know, look at the community and figure out how they can connect those dots and bring people together around it. Sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, and, and, you know, so I always think of, um, you know, where we're going, you know, sort of uh, Jackie Robinson laid tremendous groundwork as, and his family continued that and are, are continuing. And, yeah. you know, we see some change, you know, we look at the, uh, there's a report every year by Tides to discuss diversity and equity uh, along all these sports. Baseball generally has done well outside of ownership and the power structure. Uh, in, in the real top, which in the end is still the policy setters. Uh, so where do you see the game going in, in this in this realm, in the spirit of Jackie? Wow, that's a very good question. I wish I had a good answer for you. Um, I just hope that, uh, you know, we continue to bring more guys in as players. And as, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, the various and sundry positions that exist in the game. And, and just, and, you know, just, Probably, and one thing we do as Americans, we know how to sell things. We know how to beat the drum. We know how to promote stuff. We need to get that mechanism going and talk and, and talk about and brag about and, and, and get chesty about what, what we're doing in, in you know, in the, those realms to get, uh, to let people know, hey, we are, not only are we saying it, but we're doing it. And I, I think that would be huge. I really, and, and, and again, um, I salute the people who are doing that right now. And I encourage them to keep it going and to amp it up, yeah. you know, make, make more noise of more jo joyous noise to, to show that we've come a long, long way from April 1547 from 1947. We've come a long way and, and we're going to take it to even higher levels. Yeah, and I think so much of that falls in the, the next generation. You know, I love that, you know, my I, kids know his story and, and you, feel like you have to kind of retell it in different ways, you know, through Twitter now or whatever. But, you know, I guess I close in asking you, like, what do you think it is about Jackie Robinson that sustains? Like, what? Well, it, what's it, a, it, it's funny you mention it because at this time of year, the time of year we're in right now, you know, high religious with you know, Easter time. And it's like the story of Passover. You got to tell it every year, man. You got to seriously. I mean, you got to just tell it every to my Jewish brethren and my Jewish family and everything. You got to you got to bang this. You got to talk about this story every year, and it's not restricted to just 
to, to just black folks, it's for everybody in this country and around the world, and obviously particularly in this country, to spread this word to, to you know, to get the, the new booster, if you will, <laughs> uh, of knowledge and, and re-information and retelling the story and growing, growing and pushing forward. Um, you know, I, I can't sit here and tell you I got all the answers, but I mean, I, I think that would be certainly the path you want to take. And hopefully that's going to end you up in a good spot. Well, Dave Sims, uh, you know, I want to really thank you for your time today. I mean, it is a pleasure and always admired you initially from more afar professionally, but as we got to know each other more and it ran into you in Arizona in spring training, um, you know, it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate your effort because you are charting, you know, your own way, but you're charting it for others as well. And so I appreciate your mentorship and sharing all this about Jackie Robinson and his inspiration in your life. I appreciate that, Doug. Means a lot, and uh, I always I can I can still hear Dan Baker. And how about him? Such a filler. Number five. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.